Welcome back to Home Gym History, produced by Garage Gym Radio. You can check out all of our episodes on Garage Gym Radio's YouTube channel. And, of course, you can subscribe to Home Gym History and follow us on Apple and Spotify. My name is Rob, and boy, do I like blobs. Or do I? We'll figure that out tonight, because I'll be talking with Jake and Adam about this curious creature, the blob. Gentlemen, have you ever used or heard of a blob? First time I heard it uh, was talking to you about the, uh, you, you were chatting about the difficulty in finding some uh, some dumbbells and just some stuff that's going on with that without giving away any spoilers, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know much. That's all good. So the blob, just to explain for anyone who doesn't know, is one head, one end, if you will, of a York, vintage York round head dumbbell that has been cut off from the handle and the purpose of it is for grip training so you grab the blob and try to lift it and then going from there you know people do lots of different things they'll do blob cleans and they'll do blob curls and blob transfers from hand to hand you know i follow various people on instagram like zach mullins and i mentioned them before joker the lazy old fucker (laughs) who has an amazing blob collection and Zach's nicknamed the blob zombie. I'll drop a picture of him doing some blob lifts and I see them doing these incredible things. That was just a half of a 60 blob that I was playing around with, which was like nothing to these guys <laughs> because the true blob, the first blob is nicknamed the fat man. And the fat man is half of a 100 round head. So, I'm holding this with two hands because I can't yet lift it with one. I mean, I'm working on it. And thanks to a great book I just picked up, Lift the Blob. It's a digital book that you can get from Jed Johnson. Jed Diesel Johnson has dieselcrew.com, and he is quite the grip strength, you know, historian, athlete, instructor, you name it, amongst other things. And he has a great YouTube channel. So I learned a lot from him in watching his YouTube channel, reading his book, looking at his website. Enough to know that this half hundred actually isn't even truly a fat man. This is what is sometimes called a next gen or second generation because it had the USA stamp on it. So thinking back to our first episode, the York Milled era, what did you gentlemen learn about USA stamp versus non-USA stamp? Have you retained any of that knowledge or do we need to, you know, go back and revisit? Well, right afterwards, I realized I messed it up when I bought my first set of Yorks that didn't have the USA stamp and found out I got 90s uh, imports. So, Yeah, you had the Yorks with the York branding on the change plates that if they had the USA stamp, would have been made in USA in the 90s. But So that's the delineation. The difference for blob lifting is that the dumbbells are the same, that York roundheads without a USA stamp were 1960s through 1990s, and in the 1990s they started getting the USA stamp. The difference as far as blobs is that the edge is a little flatter on a next-gen blob. So on the non-handle side, so on the outside edge, if you will, which would be, you know, if we're looking at the number, the outside edge would be over on this side. It's a little flatter. I'll be honest, I'm not experienced enough to even tell the difference, but those that are experienced claim that it's easier to lift a next-gen because of this. 
So let's get into the history. Where did they come from? Well, have you ever heard of the company Sornex? Yes. Yep. They're nodding, listeners. They have. What do you know about Sornex, guys? Probably more than me. I don't have anything by Sornex, but, I mean, I wish I did. I'll phrase it that way. I'm in that boat with you, Rob. Yeah, I'm in that boat, too. I mean, what they're best known for today is mm-hmm. outfitting commercial facilities and universities. Um, but I do know that they've been around for quite a while, and I know the Sorens have quite a good vintage collection, so that I do know about them. I'm impressed. Yeah, so Richard Soren, he's the founder of Sorenex, and then his son is running things as well. Currently, well, Richard, sometimes nicknamed Pops Soren, he invented the blob. Now, Sornex doesn't market or sell blobs, but credit goes to him to being the, the father of the blob, if you will. And this is how it went. So in Jed Johnson's book that I had mentioned, Lift the Blob, the foreword was written by Richard Soren because, as I mentioned, Johnson you know, has a lot of respect for grip strength history. And to quote Richard Soren from the book, the invention goes a little something like this. He says, I started my weight equipment business full-time in 1980 after years of reinventing and improving equipment that was available out there for my own use. When one of my first customers was this YMCA, Columbia YMCA, a hardcore dungeon type of weight room that was because of a local businessman being given a facelift. I completed my work and the old, bent, and broken, aspirin-shaped York bells were replaced by handmade pro-style bells I had crafted. As I was about to leave, the athletic director, Jeep as he was called, requested I haul off the damaged old bells. I agreed to this, but I also remembered the broken ends being a real struggle to carry down the many steps and through the doors to the street. So, Jeep smiled the whole time as I towed them out, and I returned to my home shop, unloaded the scrap, and went on to my next project. Sometime later, the broken ends started getting in the way, and after one was turned into an anchor for my fishing boat and lost in the Congaree River, so as I reached forward to move them again, I grunted at the simple-looking 50-pound broken end of one of the 100-pound dumbbells. It just refused to yield to my one-handed effort in lifting it. So this is where things take off. And he goes on, and if you pick up the book Lift the Blob by Jed Johnson, you can read more about where he takes it from there. The book then you know, gives you programs, blob lifting programs, to try to you know, master lifting the actual fat man if you get your hands on one. The book also goes into the different styles of blobs, if you will, way more than I went into in this podcast. So I highly suggest you drop a couple bucks on it. I think it came to $32 after taxes and whatnot, something like that. And personally, I think it's well worth it if you're interested in these things. So when it comes to Soren, getting back to him, over 40 years ago, this is when he started his company. And to give you an idea of the type of guy he was, the website for Sorenex gives an about page that might be one of my favorites that I have found so far because it just hits home and kind of paints a picture of this guy. So it says, over 40 years ago, back in 1980, a school teacher named Richard Soren was sweating over a hot piece of hand-cut welded steel in a small two-car garage, and he'd already taught the Scholastic Weightlifting Club that morning, followed by AM bus duty, eight hours of gym class, PM bus duty for extra money that was used to eventually start his business, and then the jogging club for the teaching staff. Sorry to chuckle, but, I mean, that is a day. 
Going back to the quote, the website says, following the school day, he would tear across town to make it to the steel yard before it closed. He'd strap steel to the roof of a 1974 Toyota Land Cruiser and drive back across town to get started with his new business and dream, Soren Exercise Equipment. Now, later on, Soren Exercise Equipment was shortened to Sorenex. And wow, does that make you want to buy some equipment from Sorenex or what? That, in my opinion, this is just me being opinionated. That is such a cool bio. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I love that. That's that's Badass. great. Yeah, super cool. I mean, it paints a picture in your head of this guy strapping, you know, steel to his Land Cruiser, driving across town. He just worked this, like, insane work day for his day job. So the reason I go into this and get a little off track from blob lifting is that Richard Soren, in most circles, is considered, you know, one of the founders of the modern grip strength movement, if you will. Now, grip strength has been featured historically for hundreds of years, if you really go back and start debating it, you know, in terms of old-time strongmen, things of that nature. If you really want to get into it, you can go to ancient times. You know, Emperor Chin, he had the terracotta warriors. Well, one of those warriors was a strongman hoisting something up in the air for entertainment in the afterlife. So when it comes to grip strength, this is a timeless practice, but modern grip strength, Richard Soren certainly plays a huge part because it started here, and then for about a 10-year period of time, he goes on this like grip strength-focused fever, if you will, and he starts doing all this grip work, and he realizes, hey, this is like my... I'm a pretty strong guy i've been lifting for quite a while but grip strength is my entry into like exceptional stature so in 1991 for example so he was the very first in 1991 to close a captains of crush number three which had been thought at the time i mean most people in grip strength athletes consider this to be an impossible thing for a human being so if you've never seen one this is a captains of crush gripper it's used for building grip strength and on the bottom, they have numbers telling you how difficult they are. They start out at like a trainer. Iron Mind sells them. And Captains of Crush, you know, it's a nice knurled little handle. Not sharp knurling, just enough. And then you try your best to close it and squeeze it shut. And this, before you get impressed, is not even close to a number three. This was, uh, what we got here, 1.5. And, I mean, my highest one is a number two. And admittedly, I'm probably what most would consider a beginner in grip strength. I've only been at it for, I don't know, about a year-ish, maybe less than that, seriously. And I have trouble with a number two. But I see other people closing number threes at this point, but Soren was the first. And then notably, years later, I'll drop another picture of him, he recertified on it whenever the rules were changed for it. So he retained this grip strength. Now, the tough part with blobs and with me being the vintage weights PGH guy is that you're cutting up vintage weights. Like, you don't get a blob without cutting up a vintage York roundhead. So what do you guys think of that? I mean, you're steeped in mostly modern equipment, but like to think we're on episode what eight here you know you've spent some time talking about home gym history what are your feelings on cutting up a perfectly good york round hit for the sake of a grip tool if you're on the hunt for the dumbbells and i'd imagine every one that you see like every blob that you see has to be like slightly crushing for you yeah 
It, it would be tough. Yeah, it, it kind of hurts a little just knowing how <laughs> how uh, important they are to the history, um, and that eventually, if let's say Blob gets the Blobs gets super popular, mm-hmm. he, you know, cuts down even more of them. But I mean, the, why wouldn't somebody just figure out a way to create them without doing that? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, I posted on my Instagram, my Vintage Waste PGH Instagram, asking, you know, what are your views on this? And someone, you know, I'll try to shoot them a message and thank. I don't remember their name off the top of my head, so apologies to that person. Someone did say about the same thing, Jake, that, like, why hasn't someone created this? Well, there actually is a blob uh, trainer, if you will, that I can try to get a picture of to drop. And then there's various replicas. In Lift the Blob, Johnson's book, he goes through a whole bunch of replicas. From what I could tell, just poking around, these replicas aren't cheap. So I don't know is my best answer why someone hasn't come up. Maybe it's trademark type stuff with York that York would come after him. That's just a guess. But essentially, it's a piece of cast iron that is, you know, would be able to be made, so why not just produce some? You'd also think that a savvy company would catch on to this. So if it is a trademark issue, why hasn't York just made a bunch of blobs? Any ideas? I feel like even if they did, or like you had a company like Sticks and Stones, which is the uh, the concrete plates, even if they did, like that original story you said about Soren finding these broken blobs is so like nostalgic and cool. You could be like, yeah, I, c- I could order or buy that one, but to find like an actual vintage one and to have vintage blobs, I feel like has like another layer to it. That's a very good point because I mean, I really espouse that weights tell a story and that history is a story. So to show you one of my blobs, uh, this one you know has a hole in it, and the reason why is that for a period of time I was anti-blob and I thought I, I'm not I'm not doing this. I cannot destroy you know, vintage weights. But then I really started to like grip strength. I started seeing people lifting them more and more. So then I kind of thought, all right, well, what if I can find blobs that have already been made or I can find a weird situation and near me, someone had, for whatever reason, I I really don't know why. My guess is that the round head had broken and this is half of a 65 pound round head. So then they bored out the middle and put a handle in. And I purchased it, and then I just took out the handle, and there you go. I had a blob that had already been created. And then I bought some other blobs that had already been created. And, I mean, they looked that they'd been there, or I traded for them. Like, my 100-pound next-gen, I was happy enough to trade for. But then, after a while, something happened that made me kind of change my opinion a little bit. Because I was starting to think, all right. And people put this on my Instagram post as well. Maybe I don't cut up round heads, but if they're bent, maybe that's okay. And a good friend of mine that likes to not have his name mentioned publicly, but he knows who he is. He said, well, actually, and he sent me a video of him straightening a bent round head by putting boards into it and then pounding away with a sledgehammer and straightening it out. And he was like, you can fix those. So I thought, oh, geez, okay, it's not... Good enough to do that. Well, what if the head's loose? Maybe that's the excuse. So I started buying them or trading for them, but I got one that was like clearly freshly cut. And I thought to myself, all right, well, at this point, you're either for blobs or you're against blobs. You can't be this guy like putting on a fur coat and saying, oh, no, well, I didn't kill it. 
Like, <laughs> it wasn't me. I just wear the fur coat. <laughs> because that's what I realized I was doing. I was like, you know, and this is just my opinions on it. People have different opinions. But my opinion is that at this point. If you're going to use blobs, you've got to be full throttle okay with blobs. Because you can't just put on the fur coat and then claim that you're not the one that killed it. So, clearly someone chopped these up. So, that's where I stand on it at this point. That I'm okay with it. Um, within reason, I think I would have a problem with it if, if people were like, you know, specifically hoarding a bunch of round heads to chop up and resell. But seeing people use them and really enjoy them, I've seen more round heads in my collecting in the past couple of years that have been neglected than I've seen blobs that have been used. So, uh, you know, it's nice to see the blobs getting used. I don't know if I stated that correctly. <laughs> I, I have a question. So. Yeah. On the marketplace, how much does like a single blob go for as as far as price compared to like a, a full dumbbell? This really confused me because I could not wrap my mind around why I would see a blob. So, for example, you know that one I keep lifting up is half of a sixty. So, I mean, I. I'm conditioned to price per pound. That's how I work things out in my head. Okay, I'm going to pay $3 a pound for this, $1 a pound for this. And I'm thinking, all right, well, this is 30 pounds, but they want, you know, $120 for it? How in the world is suddenly... Because if I was selling a single 60-pound roundhead, it'd be tough. I, I mean, I, I maybe I could get $2 a pound for it, uh, for that single 60. But then... You know, on places like eBay, I see way bigger prices. But then on the other hand, on eBay, sometimes I do see lesser prices. So, you know, I'll see a 80-pound half for 150 That's a little bit less than the, the 60 markup. But I, all I can think is that right now, maybe not in the future, but right now, less people are cutting them up. Maybe for all the reasons you said, Adam, or some of the things we talked about here, less people are cutting them up. And maybe people are in the camp I used to be in that like, well, I'm not going to cut them up. I'll just buy them. And then that means I, I'm still okay. That's my guess. I really have no proof why, but it is very uh, confounding. I, I think with the heavier round heads, people do see that they could turn a profit if they cut them up. And that lures some people into just, oh, wow, I found 90-pound round heads. I'm going to cut them up and make a profit rather than trying to sell them. The other thing is shipping. So shipping a blob is possible with flat rate. Shipping a 90-pound dumbbell is not possible with flat rate through USPS. So with that, gentlemen, great thoughts on the blob. I think, uh, you know, blobs will not be going away. They're gaining popularity. I enjoy them. I think it's a fun lift. I want to leave you with one last little quote from a Jed Johnson article to thank him again. And by the way, you mentioned the Sornex headquarters. Zach Evanesh, who I mentioned in Episode 7, he has an awesome tour of that museum, which is out of sight. I mean, I guess if you consider it Richard Soren's collection, it's probably one of the best collections in the world. Well, go see that tour, but also let this little quote resonate with you. Richard Soren said in this article for Jed Johnson, I can't say life has been easy, but the guiding light of strength has sustained and has given me memories that indeed has given me a wealthy soul. So with that, I thank you, Mr. Soren, and may all of you listeners find strength and a wealthy soul.
Thanks for listening. This has been Home Gym History, produced by Garage Gym Radio. You can listen to Home Gym History on Apple and Spotify, which you already know if you're listening to it, but I'm mentioning it. So you go out there, you give us some stars, you follow, you do all that happy stuff. It's going to help you lift more. Gentlemen, anything else? Nope. The famous nope. We're going to market T-shirts for you, Jake, that say nope. (laughs) See you next time, everybody.